Welcome to Pints and Pelvic Floors, a podcast designed to normalize the discussion around all things pee, poop, sex, and more. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Noble, owner of Pelvic Pride Physical Therapy and Wellness, an LGBTQ-owned transgender safe space and clinic for all. Grab a pint and come as you are as we uncover the myths around our genitals and destigmatize normal body functions, as well as normalize asking for help. So raise your glass because it's a beautiful day to see pelvic floors. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Pints and Pelvic Floors, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joy. Hope you've had a great last two weeks. Um, We were not on last week. And today I wanted to come to you and chat a little bit about a post I made recently um, on my new Instagram page. So I've kind of branched off and made one for me as a provider. Um, I've been doing a lot of really cool things lately, being able to share um, gender-inclusive and trauma-informed care with pelvic PTs, um, currently kind of up in our Northeast region. I was invited to talk to the New York Student Special Interest Group. Um, and since then, I've gotten an invitation from um, the students at Columbia University. So I'm doing that tomorrow night. And then I uh, got reached out to by the New York, New York College of Medicine. Um, so I'm also going to be presenting with them. So that kind of brings me to a topic I wanted to talk about today. And we're going to start, well, the reason I want to talk about this is because one, it's super important. And two, it has a lot to do with why we are named pelvic pride. Um, but the other big thing that I think is important to mention here is that um, when we think of pelvic therapy, a lot of times we think just like pregnancy postpartum, and it kind of lumps us into mostly like cishet women. Um, and that is a big part of what pelvic floor PT does, but we do a whole lot more than that. Uh, we had an episode about, you know, do you treat men or male identifying or penis owning individuals? Really the question is, do you treat people who have penises? Um, so we've already covered that, but I want to talk a little bit more just about like gender inclusive care, um, trauma informed care, kind of what we do and why we do it. Uh, so going back to the post that I have, uh, it says why you can't just slap a rainbow flag on it and call your gender or call your clinic inclusive. So the, the big thing, and this kind of came, I just posted it, but it kind of came around the like June pride month vibe. And it's kind of fitting cause we're back into October, which is another big pride time. And, um, it's, it's easy, I think, for a company to take their logo and throw a rainbow in it um, for a month or to put a bunch of rainbow stuff out and be like, hey, look, we're allies. We're here to support. But it doesn't work that way, um, especially in the, I mean, in the whole world, it does not work that way. You can't just throw a flag on it and say, yep, I support you. Um, it goes way, way, way deeper than that. The other thing um, when it comes to this is that there's a lot more to kind of how you treat a human than just saying, here, look at my flag. I'm, I'm with you. Um, but I will say that is a good start if you're looking for ways to represent and show people out in the world that you are um, an inclusive space or that they are welcome there. Having a, a pride flag or rainbow flag can be a super helpful way um, just for them to know that this is a safe space for them. So not to take anything away from the flags. So let's kind of, I'm going to go through this post and just chat a little bit about what the answers are. So this is the reasons you can't just slap a rainbow flag on something. So um, first step here is inclusivity is more than being an ally. So really to me, this is just, you know, you can't ambivalent, ambivalent. Is that the word I'm thinking of? I think it is the word. You can't just like come in and say, you know, you, you don't, I don't care who you like. I don't care who you love. I don't care who you're partnered with or whatever. I I'm still here to help you. Um, 
you have to care. Like not caring is is just as passive. Uh, and this has been said in a lot of different places. Um, this is said a lot with the Black Lives Matters movement too. You can't just say like, I don't see color, I don't care, um, because that's just as much of a problem. So very similarly with um, gender inclusivity and just treating patients who um, may be gender diverse, maybe, um, you know, aren't the standard accepted and presented cishet humans in the world. Um, you can't just put it out there as, I don't care what you do. I'm here. I can help you. Um, it's There's a lot more to it and being able to vote with your money and vote with your business and vote in different ways to say like, we're going to do more than just not care, but we're going to actually care and we're going to support you. And we're going to, um, support businesses that are also supportive and not support businesses that don't, um, a long time ago, totally side random personal note. Um, my husband and I decided to, we have an Etsy shop unrelated. We'll not tag that here, but we have an Etsy shop and we, um, we decided to stop shopping from Hobby Lobby because they had some of the supplies we needed for what we did, but we realized we can find it other places and we're willing to pay a little bit more to not support Hobby Lobby. Um, that's just a personal thing between he and I, but honestly, if you know anything about my business and who I support, you know, that this is true. Um, you know, you probably know a little bit more about me and my religion and politics, but I just don't think that I did not want to support a company that was going to be restrictive in patients um, or in their employees' healthcare. So it was a personal decision that he and I made to stop supporting Hobby Lobby. Um, following on a similar note, I also stopped eating Chick-fil-A. Um, I couldn't tell you the last time I had it. It's been a, at least six months, probably closer to a year since I last had it for similar values on the conversation of this topic. It's just one of the places I've decided to stop Um spending my money where I can show my support, um, and vote with my dollars. I'm only one person. I totally get that, but it makes me personally feel better. Um, that is not to say that if you eat Chick-fil-A, I'm not, I will not judge you. Um, you know, everyone makes their own choices, but not even sure how we got off into the tangent, but we're come back, back around here. Um, voting with your dollars is important and being supportive of, um, organizations and things that are actually advocating for fighting for, um, legal supports, things like that for, our LGBTQ community is super important. The next thing is that your staff needs to be trained to communicate appropriately with all patients. Um, and so what this means is knowing things like how to not misgender someone, um, how not to dead name someone, how not to use microaggressions towards patients. And so, um, whether it's misgendering by saying ma'am to someone who doesn't identify as a woman, um, it can be using the wrong honorifics. And so, um, you know, we have Mr. and Mrs., but then we have mix MX, um, for someone who maybe, well, one chooses that as their honorific, uh, but is maybe gender non-conforming, gender neutral. Um, it's a good option in the middle there where you can utilize that for someone who, again, does not identify as a Mr. or a Mrs. in their honorific. Um, dead naming. So especially in the insurance world is an interesting concept because, if a patient has not legally changed their name, their insurance may require a certain name on it to recognize the patient as the person that is covered. Um, but also recognizing when we can have that legal information written down somewhere, but it's not the name we're going to use. Um, so not using that, but the other option really, when we think of true, true dead name is, um, also the previous name that anyone may have had. So, it can be something as silly, especially in smaller towns. And it's, I say silly, it's not really, but 
if you've known a family, if you're at, you know, admin or front desk has known a family for so long and, you know, this person used when they were born and when this, your front desk person knew this individual, they were going by a different name that was given to them at birth, but that's not who they are. And they've legally changed it and they've gone by this name that is them. Um, but the patient comes in and if this, you know, again, this is, I'm using a small town because I'm thinking of like a place where people tend to stay, um, we're in a transit area in Baltimore. And so people are kind of in and out all the time for work and job and school and stuff. And so we don't, we have definitely plenty of lifelong Baltimore people, but anyway, so in this little small town scenario, we're talking about, you know, this front desk person may know the family. And so the person comes in, they don't use the previous name they were given and the front desk calls them that. Well, that's using a dead name. It's using the name that the patient no longer identifies with. Um, and then any other kind of microaggressions towards a patient. I mean, it can be something like, um, you know, making a comment, looking at them a certain way, treating them a certain way, changing the tone of your voice. Um, you know, microaggressions can be things like when you're walking out on the street and you walk by someone and you grab your purse and they had done nothing to you, but you just like, you know, clutched it a little more. Those are microaggressions where it's just saying like, I am presenting to, to, you know, I'm trying to show you that I am worried about something. Um, and that's something you want to prevent because you don't want to make the patient uncomfortable. But when it comes to working with our, um, you know, just being an inclusive clinic, definitely misgendering and dead naming are two of the biggest things that we have to be super, super cautious of. The next thing that clinics need to be inclusive and not um, just, again, stick a flag on it and say, hey, look at us, we support you, is that intake need, your intake paperwork needs to have places for things like pronouns, um, you know, a blank spot there, a couple options, but there's a lot of different things. So I prefer an open text field where someone can just write what their pronouns are. Um, multiple gender identity options. If you're going to have check boxes, have multiple options. If not, give them a blank slot line again and let them choose. Um, just because someone has one, you know, a certain sex identified or assigned at birth. Um, and that may be what insurance requires you to document. So again, they can link this person to the insured. Um, if you're an insurance practice, you can still have what they identify as because it's important to respect your person for who they are, not just what, you know, legal paperwork's out there putting down for them. Um, and then also having a line for preferred name. And so when we talk about preferred name, um, some people kind of get upset about that. Preferred name helps everyone. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had a patient who comes in and like they have a first name, but they go by a middle name or they have a long first name. They go by a shortened name, like Elizabeth, but goes by Liz or, um, you know, Robert, but he goes by Bob. So having preferred name is super helpful to, uh, still have a legal first name on there, but then get the name. And this is again, helpful for all your patients. So this is where we're talking about. It's inclusive. It's not like cutting anyone out. It's just letting everyone in. And then, um, as much gender neutral terminology as appropriate. And so it's super important whenever doing intake paperwork, when someone reads it, that they don't feel very gendered. Cause that can definitely trigger dysmorphia. So we're super conscious here of trying to do that. Um, we're constantly updating our, our intake paperwork. We reflect on it and see, could we say this differently? Could we say this better? Um, a good example, actually, after Pelvicon, after listening to Jake Bartholomew talk, we added, um, pain with anal penetration to our intake paperwork. So now we have pain with anal penetration, pain with vaginal penetration, pain with superficial penetration and pain with deep penetration. So, um, you know, regardless of where something is being put, we want to know one, where is it painful? And then two, is it deep or superficial? Um, so again, you know, we're still learning and we're always changing things and always happy to hear feedback of things we could be doing better. 
Um, the other thing is that your clinic should include a gender neutral bathroom or signage, letting your patient know that they can use whatever bathroom they identify with or feel safe in. And so that has been a big, big thing here at pelvic pride. We, um, did have a bathroom built into our space design to ensure that we had a gender neutral bathroom. Um, it's super helpful. It's nice just to have a space to go. We have patients that have to cath and it's easy and nice for them to have a bathroom and a sink so they can wash their hands and do that. And everything's sanitary. Um, you know, we treat a lot of menstruating humans they may use a menstrual cup. It's nice to be able to go in, take your menstrual cup out, wash it, not have to leave the stall. Um, but it's also nice for someone to not have to look at a male or a female bathroom and say, "Ugh, okay, where do I go? So I think that's super important. And if you can't divide the bathrooms like that, if you can't make them just neutral, um, making sure they know that they're safe and supported here. And that if they go into one that you're staff in your clinic is going to support them and not look at them differently, not, um, be judgmental and be, and we'll protect them. If someone says something, um, that by putting a sign that says, you know, use what feels safe and feels comfortable for you that we are there to support. The last thing I want to talk about is that inclusivity should not be limited to the LGBTQ community. Um, this, you know, when we're talking about being inclusive and inclusive care, Inclusive care is super important for um, anyone. So this means having seats of different sizes. So not all patients are going to fit in a small, lightweight chair. Uh, Making sure you have chairs that are sturdy up to bigger weights into weights that aren't going to be the standard cheap thing you may pick up at like Target. Um, It means having handouts and anatomical drawings with multiple skin tones. Uh, so much of the pelvic world for so long was very whitewashed. It, there was just lots of everything was neutral skin tones, neutral skin tones. Um, but now, thanks to GFAM, give them a shout out real fast. Um, we have really cool options of being able to represent multiple skin tones on our handouts when we're doing presentations, when we're talking, um, doing like our yoga group. We utilize these gr- images that they have design and put into their membership for us. And now we're able to have multiple people represented, which is nice because as I'm looking around our last yoga studio, our last yoga class we did, it wasn't just white cis women. It was, is a multiple types of, and you know, shades of, of humans. And it was really cool to know that our paper, our presentation was representing the people that were in the room with us. Um, and so that thing is just super important that even then when you're looking at what photos am I choosing on Canva for my social media post or, you know, give some diversity, make people look different. People should be all different sizes, tall, you know, tall, short, skinny, fat, any kind of size you can imagine, put all the representation out there. The big thing is a patient should walk in and feel like they belong. They should be able to walk into the space. They should be able to see the handouts. They should be able to watch the presentation and feel like I'm represented here. Um, you know, I, countless times we've seen this on social media where someone's commented about like um, the new Little Mermaid movie of saying like, you know, the Disney princess looks like me or uh, Kamala Harris becoming the vice president and saying, oh my gosh, you know, someone in power looks like me. And so it's super important. And I know it sounds so silly, but really even being able to walk into a pelvic health clinic or a physical therapy clinic in general and say, I felt included and I felt represented in this space is really, really important. So as much as everyone wants to just put a flag out and say, look at us, we support you, or look, we, we accept anyone, or we will help all people. Um, it's more than that. And so I hope kind of taking this, the takeaways from here is that you need to make sure your staff is trained appropriately. You need to make sure your paperwork is inclusive. Um, you need to 
be asking the questions about things like preferred name. You want to make sure that the bathrooms are a safe space because that can be such a contingent place, especially in the pelvic floor world. Um, Patients use the bathroom a lot and the pelvic floor holds a lot of tension. And if they're going into the bathroom stressed out, the pelvic floor is probably having even more tension. Um, And then remembering that inclusivity is not limited to the LGBTQ community. It's also people of all sizes. Um, It is people of all colors and all ethnicities. And so it's super important that we have this um, representation in your clinic. So hopefully that was super helpful. And um, it sounds a little more clinical, but I think it's also relevant to our patients that are listening um, or potential patients listening just to hear kind of the things that we are thinking of and putting into our clinic as we are um, setting things up and just trying to be inclusive and making sure everyone feels safe here. So um, that's it for today. A little shorter on this episode and look forward to bringing you whatever topic comes to us next time. Until then, cheers. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute providing medical advice or professional services. Please reach out to your primary care provider if you need any assistance.